You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. If you've been in worship with us recently, you'll recall that we have embarked upon a sermon series throughout the month of June that we have called God Speed, considering those places and those summer months, especially where we like to think at least life sometimes slow down, slows down, how we might slow down as well. Today, we're pressing pause for one Sunday on that series. We've been lining up each of our preaching opportunities with the learning we have been doing in our joint Sunday school class. And so as that class pauses on this holiday weekend, we pause this sermon series for one Sunday as well. We'll pick back up on Godspeed next week. Today, though, we turn, as I mentioned to the children, to the Gospel of Matthew specifically Matthew chapter 10. Jesus has called his disciples at this point. He has preached on the Mount of Beatitudes. He has been out and about healing and teaching and proclaiming the good news. And now he is preparing to send his disciples out to do the same. So friends, let us listen once more as we hear God's word this day from the 10th chapter of Matthew's gospel beginning with the 40th verse. Jesus speaks to the disciples saying, whoever welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple. Truly, I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon is titled, You Are Welcome. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, send your spirit now that it would fill this space fully, that it would alight upon each of our hearts, that it would take the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here and use them to your glory. For you and you alone, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As I mentioned to the children, we spend a lot of time in church talking about the importance of extending Christian hospitality, of exercising Christ-like welcome to others, not just to our friends and neighbors, to those we know, but especially to the least, to the lost, to the lonely. There is, of course, a solid biblical foundation for that emphasis. The verses of Matthew 25 come foremost to mind where Jesus, again, talking to the disciples, says something like, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was in prison and you visited me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. 
And the disciples, they scratch their heads and they say, Jesus, when did we do any of these things to you? And Jesus says, truly, I tell you, just as you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. There's a sense there that when we welcome others, when we show Christian hospitality, we open ourselves to encountering the risen Christ. So it's so remarkable to me when here, earlier in Matthew's gospel, Jesus seems to add to that emphasis, not replace it, just shift the degrees a little bit to help us see the same light in a slightly new way. When he says to the disciples, as he's giving them their literal marching orders about to send them out the door to be about the work of sharing the good news, of healing and teaching in his name, he sends them out the door with these words we have just heard read. He says to them, whoever welcomes you welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Suddenly, the emphasis is not so much on the disciples showing hospitality, but what? Rather on them being willing to receive Christian welcome. There's a great story from a number of years ago when Grady Parsons was still the stated clerk of the Presbyterian Church USA. He received a message one day from his counterpart, the stated clerk of the Presbyterian Church in the Republic of South Korea. And the message to Grady Parsons read that their General Assembly there in South Korea had just met and they had voted to fund and train and send 11 missionaries. Can you guess where they were going to send them? Here, to the United States. And Grady Parsons, he read this message and He sent a message back to the stated clerk there in Korea saying, I think the translator got it wrong. Remember, we, we, the Presbyterian Church in the United States, we're the ones who brought Christ to you as if Christ needed someone to show him South Korea. We're the mother church. We're the ones who send missionaries to you, not the other way around. Not long after, a message came back in reply from the stated clerk there in Korea saying, nope, you read it right. You know, Grady, we've been praying for the mother church for a long time here in Korea. And we feel that the spirit needs reviving there in the United States. So we're sending those missionaries to you. Grady talks about how this sudden new posture for him was incredibly uncomfortable. Kind of felt like he was knocked suddenly off balance. That can happen sometimes, can it? When we open ourselves to receiving the hospitality and welcome and perhaps even the mission of another. It strikes me that this uh, passage, Jesus' words here from uh, Matthew 10, are perhaps the most unsouthern words that Jesus utters. Because we live here in the American South, especially in this culture that is steeped in a tradition of outdoing one another when it comes to not receiving but showing hospitality. 
You're bringing one kind of deviled eggs to the church potluck, I'm bringing 10. (laughs) You sent your guests home with just one Tupperware container of leftovers? Oh man, I sent mine home with three. We love to show hospitality, don't we? But how good are we at receiving it? And not just in that physical, tangible sense of food or of gifts. Now, I can't tell you how often I visit with someone who's perhaps experiencing a challenging season in their lives, sometimes for health reasons, sometimes for spiritual reasons. And I encourage them. I say, have you talked to anyone about this? Have you told your closest friend? Have you reached out to your neighbor? And so often the response is, no, 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 I couldn't do that. They already have so much on their plate, Alan. They don't need one more thing. I don't want to, I don't want to bother them. Whoever welcomes you, Jesus says, welcomes me. You know, the type of welcome that Jesus is speaking of here is the full kind of welcome. There's something here that Jesus is trying to teach us about when we allow others to fully welcome us in every sense of that word, not just our joy and all the things that are going well, but also to welcome our hurt and our pain and our doubt and our questions. When we allow others to welcome us fully, well, in those moments, the risen Christ will make himself known. You know, in a prior call, I managed once to royally upset, royally upset, two different people in basically two consecutive weeks about two completely different things. The first person I upset was on account of a planning committee that we were putting together at the church. And this person's spouse had some expertise in that area, but we had inadvertently in many ways overlooked this person. And this spouse called me so angry, so hurt by the church's unwillingness in his mind to invite his spouse to be a part of this process. He laid into me one night on the phone. The next day he called up the church. He stopped his pledge. Can you believe that? And then he rescinded his membership. I gave a few weeks, try and let things cool down. I reached out every way I knew how, by text, by phone, by email, crickets. So the next week I preached a sermon that touched on a particularly volatile local issue happening in that community at the time. And this church member who I had a wonderful relationship with, an incredible man, a Christian, a quiet leader in that place, he didn't particularly appreciate what I had to say about that issue. After worship, he had been serving as an usher, and I could tell as I preached that he was not necessarily agreeing with me on the topic. 
And I tried to talk to him afterwards, and I have never had someone as upset at me as this person was. Seething, livid. Couldn't even say a single word, just walked away. I gave it a few weeks to try and let things cool down. And wouldn't you know it, before I could even reach out to him, he reached out to me and asked if I would welcome a conversation with him, which, of course, I said I would. We sat down. We shared our different perspectives. Each of us, I think, gained some new insight about where the other was coming from. We didn't necessarily leave that day agreeing with one another, but there had been definite reconciliation. Two back-to-back weeks, royally upsetting people. Can you imagine a pastor upsetting someone in the pews? (laughs) But at the end, which of those two do you think left me feeling as if Christ himself had been at work? There's something powerful about allowing someone else to welcome you into their home, into their lives, into their hurt, into their anguish. And it's not just interpersonal relationships, it's also something, a matter of institutional welcome. This last week, our session met and they received a report from the Signage Task Force. Now there is a Presbyterian name for a task force if I ever heard one. (laughs) This is a group that our session formed late last year in response to some of my observations after my first few months here. If you're new to the church, I'm new too. I've only been here for about, I guess, approaching a year and a half now. And after spending a few months navigating the campus, I realized, I observed that this campus is impossibly hard to navigate. Many of us, of course, who have been in this church for a long time, we think nothing of it. But if you really try and walk around this campus, seeing this building and facility through the eyes of someone who has never stepped foot on this campus, you will certainly agree with me that it is horribly hard to get around. And so this task force has formed to look at our signage, both outside and inside, to make some recommendations about how we can just make it easier, clearer for people to move around, especially for those of you who are new to our community. If we invite you to Sunday school in Fogarty to actually help you find your way there if you don't happen to find someone who's willing to show you. Right, I framed it for the session in terms of Christian hospitality. This is an important effort, not just because it's nice to have pretty signs around your campus, but because it is a vitally important part of any Christian community to try and make people feel welcome. To not assume that every person who walks into our church knows what we're about. To help people find their way into the life and ministry of our congregation. I've often told the story that Roger Nishioka likes to share. He's a scholar and pastor in our tradition. He talks about some research he once did where he was interviewing people who were visiting churches for the first time, and he asked them, what's the number one reason that you came back to the church you're now attending? And the number one reason people give is that someone turned to them on that first visit or that second visit and asked them their name. 
Just said, hi, I'm Mike, what's your name? But do you know the number one reason that Roger uncovered in his research why people don't turn to the person next to them and ask them their name? It's because they're afraid they'll be embarrassed, right? They're afraid that they're gonna turn to the person sitting next to them and say, hey, I'm Alan, and that person's gonna say to them, I've been sitting next to you for the last three months. Of course I know who you are. We're afraid of being embarrassed by turning to our neighbor and introducing ourselves. You know what Roger always says in that story? He says, shame on you. Shame on us. If the reason we're not going to turn to our neighbor and introduce ourselves to them is because we're afraid we're going to be embarrassed, and that person may be in church that day for the first time in years, that church may be, that person may be in church that day because they are desperate for someone to turn to them and extend the right hand of Christian fellowship and you don't do it because you are afraid of being embarrassed? Shame on us. But you know, this passage where Jesus invites us to look at this issue of Christian hospitality of welcome from a slightly different perspective, I think it takes it one step further. It's not just that that person who is visiting our church or visiting our lives might need to experience Christ's welcome in us. It may very well, friends, get this, be that we are desperately in need of them to welcome us into their lives. Because that person who Christ has set next to us may be the very person who Christ is seeking to make himself known through for our lives. For this point, for this day, for this moment. You know, if the disciples are surprised by what Jesus says to them here, they really shouldn't be. Right? As I noted, Jesus is already knee deep in his ministry by this point in the Gospel of Matthew. He has not only called the disciples, he's calmed the seas. He has welcomed others to come and hear him preach and teach. In just a few more chapters, he's going to welcome others and he's going to break bread for them. And then eventually, in a few short years from this moment in Jesus' life, he's going to gather those disciples again together at a table. Friends, the table, this table, any table, The table is the ultimate sign of Christian hospitality and of Christian welcome. Joanne's going to offer the invitation for us today when we prepare to come to this table. And I want you to be listening there for words of welcome. Right? Sometimes in our church we'll hear an invitation that speaks of inviting those of you who have been to this table often and you who have not been for a long time. Inviting those of you who have followed Jesus and you who have failed, right? Inviting you to come and taste and see God's goodness. But somewhere in that invitation, you'll always hear something like this. Friends, come to this table. For here, you are welcome. It's not Joanne's welcome. It's not my welcome. It's not any other pastor's welcome. It is Christ's welcome. We both extend and receive hospitality because Christ himself has welcomed us. Right here is the table. 
Here is the place where Christ fully and freely shows us hospitality. It's not the kind of welcome that we pay for. You're not going to get an invoice in the mail next week from the church. One piece of bread, one sip or dip of cup. No, at this table, we learn that Christ's welcome is free. It's grace. It's a gift. Friends, when we say yes to others' welcome, when we not only hand someone that Tupperware full of leftovers, but also receive it graciously, what we are really receiving is the body and the blood and the love of Christ himself. We are receiving the invitation that someone else is offering to us with open hands to taste and see that God is good, to sip from that cup, that cool cup of living water, and then to be sent out into the world to show that welcome yes, but also to welcome that welcome yet again as we encounter Christ's beloved, and the least, and the lost, and the lonely, but also in the face of the stranger, the neighbor, the friend, who is here with us right now, not only waiting for Christ's love to be shared with them, but ready to share Christ's love with us. Friends, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, may we say yes to that gift, and thanks be to God. Amen.